Hey, I met somebody the other day whose father was involved with gun running. Yeah, what do you do? Oh, I'm a doctor. I'm an engineer, a teacher. And what about you? Oh, I run guns. Oh, really? That title sounds really impressive, but I don't believe I'd want to be one. Gotta be dangerous, no? But this woman said something very interesting. She said, if you ever want to know the future of what battles and wars are coming down the pike between nations throughout the world, then talk to a gun runner. Because they will know months, maybe years before the war begins. And why? Well, because the countries need to be armed, don't they? They, they need to be prepared ahead of time with weapons. And I don't mean just with slingshots and sticks and stones that may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. No, they got to have real hardware. And how do you get all those weapons when you're not supposed to have them? Well, you go to your friendly, underhanded, off-the-radar gun runner. Give him a call. Yeah, I want 300 of these, 1,000 of those, 5,000 of them, and all the ammo you can find. Yeah, so if you want to know the future of war, don't go to any lamb, the lame, lamb, lambs too, but lame transsexual politician. Uh, go look up a gun runner in the phone book. Yeah, they'll have the answers to your questions. Just like if you have any questions in life, call on God for the answers. Because many times, if not all the time, God has predicted the future on what's to come. Way back in Genesis, he even predicted when talking to Abraham that the Hebrews would be enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. The book says, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. We then remember that Moses finally led the Hebrews out of Egypt, and he, not that long afterwards, went on one of his eight climbs up Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. He was up there for 40 days, which led the people to think that he wasn't coming back, that he and God abandoned them. So they started to create other false pagan gods who they could pray to and sacrifice for. They started to attribute all the miracles that have happened, uh, that had happened, up until that point to these pagan gods since the original God and Moses were now nowhere to be found. As we know, they molded together this calf of gold and prayed to it, among others, for guidance, wealth, fertility, and health. And this is what we exactly do today. Once we come to the misguided conclusion that the Bible is not the inspired Word of God, and that the stories within are all made-up falsehoods, then we start creating our own gods, other gods, or maybe make ourselves one. All the information of the Bible we begin to twist into idiocy, starting with the Big Bang Theory and Darwinism, which I simply refuse to discuss. Don't want to give them the dignity of taking the energy to dialogue with that stupidity. 
won't honor it with a discussion. On the other hand, I might want to honor it with a big pile of dog crap from the backyard. Yeah, that would be appropriate. Another big thing that people nowadays disregard in the Bible is that God and Jesus were major healers spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Also, throughout history, plants and herbs of all kinds were used as healing medicines for just about every body ailment, especially in the East. But nowadays, especially the United States, nobody wants to hear about that anymore. It's all about taking a little pill or injection of some kind, which most of the times doesn't work or makes the situation work worse. I love that quote in the Bible. It says, a cheerful heart makes good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Yeah, that's a powerful sentence right there, saying that the mind controls the body. And if your head isn't screwed on right, then your body is eventually going to fall apart in one way or another. But apparently, it's all still about going to the doctor and the pharmacy, listening to the constant barrage of commercials on TV and radio, brainwashing you to make a ton of money for people other than you. How else are the CEOs of hospitals and pharmaceutical companies going to pay for their mansions, butlers, and hookers? They can't do it without your help. And this is never going to change because the pharmaceutical lobbies are so powerful. They control the world. Sure they do. They constantly bribe the politicians and media outlets with unlimited cash. You better believe it's all about the money. It seems today that every agency or organization has a mission statement to stick it to us, to screw us over in any, in any way that they can. And that includes the foster care and adoption agencies also. Man, if I hear one more horror story about the abuses and the secretive trafficking of kids, I'm going to throw up or scream better yet. It's just awful. And these agencies take away the kids from the parents at a drop of a hat. If they raise their voice from normal to stern, then that's all of a sudden a basis for child ejection from the household. And where they go, who knows? And what happens to them once they're placed, who knows? We've all heard stories about parents using the wrong pronoun to describe their kids. And parents guarding them against this sex change brainwashing. They end up in prison. Yeah, for their, for their effort. And you got to be kidding me. Absolutely anything to break up the family, no doubt. Because in this new so-called civilized society, there is no room for God in loving family ties. That's how they think. But as responsible adults, we need to fight back on all of this, no matter what the consequences are, along with praying to God for help and direction. After all this corruption, lawlessness, wickedness, and depravity, it's no wonder people more and more are looking eagerly to the end of this life, to enter the new paradise that Jesus promises. Who won it? It's like a choice between a beautiful 70-inch flat-screen TV 
and the black and white TV box of 50 years ago where you had to actually get up from your comfortable couch and turn the channel manually with the dial that always was broken. You had to use pliers to turn from ABC to CBS. And there were only three main channels back then, right? As opposed to 3,000 we get today. Hmm. Maybe I would like to go back in time. To all those who would take God away, up Up your giggy! Who would take our freedom away, up Up your giggy! And to all those who would take our guns away, up Up your giggy! We here at Don't Bring Up God on WAEB believe in positive change, but not changing from good to bad or godly to evil. No, that's unacceptable, and we will fight back on it. Show to all those who would attempt to brainwash us and to silence us and to establish socialism, we all say, Oh, you're But I gotta believe the end is very close. Many say within 5, 10, 15 years, if that. One of the explanations for that conclusion is the number seven. The number seven means completion. It took seven days for God to create the world, including the Sabbath rest day. And there are presently seven days in a week, which follows the same pattern of six days of work and one day of rest. Now, in the Bible, more than once it says that one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And because of that, some people believe that there will be a total of 7,000 years of existence on this earth until that too is completed and ends. They start counting at the time of when Adam and Eve sinned. So after a little bit of mathematical figuring, the end of 6,000 years of earthly existence will be up very soon, at which time the 7,000th year will be that thousand years described in the Bible as the thousand-year reign or millennium, which can be construed as the time of rest. Following the pattern of six days work and one day rest, we got 6,000 years of work and life on this planet, and then a thousand years of rest. Now, to understand the timeline a little bit better, we know Adam and Eve lived roughly for a thousand years, Then Noah came on the scene and lived for another thou. Then Abraham came along, followed by Moses 500 years later. And then in another 1,500 years after Moses, Jesus was born. So you got 1,000, another 1,000, 500, and 1,500 years, equaling a total of 4,000 years B.C. The year zero is when Jesus was born. So add another 2,300 years A.D. up until the present time. And you come up with a grand total of 6,000 years, give or take. But again, no one knows the exact time that Jesus will come back. But when he does, many will be taken by surprise and taken off guard. While others of us will simply take it in stride as we fully expected it all along. Which camp do you reside in? Using all this mathematical gymnastics... Some scholars conclude that the world will end somewhere between 2026 and 2042, which doesn't seem that outrageous to me at all. And it will be exactly like in the time of Noah, 
who warned people for 100 years that the flood was coming, but nobody believed him. Most thought he was cuckoo in desperate need of shock treatment. And that's exactly the way it is today. When you tell people that the end is coming, according to the Bible, they too think you're cuckoo. And I got to tell you, that shock treatment years ago, that never worked. Who came up with that? All that did was to serve as a frontal lobotomy, shocking your emotions right out of your head, leaving you nothing more than a vegetable, walking around like the walking dead. That shock treatment. (laughs) Better late than never. That's the cuckoo reference. I like that. It has a lot of pizzazz to it. Cuckoo, cuckoo. But this shock treatment that we're talking about is essentially equivalent to ADD medicine, where they turn an aggressive, assertive, healthy little boy into a ghost of himself. Hey, medical field, here's a little advice for you. Leave our kids alone. Keep your grimy paws off them, you freaks. Just because you're a freak, you want to make everyone else a freak. Get lost. And speaking of the end, why don't we talk about the last book of the Bible, which is Revelation? Yeah, let's delve into that just for kicks. What do you say? Now, there are some people that think they know how the world's going to end step by step in perfect chronological order. They may claim that, but I highly doubt it. Whether we understand exactly what's to come or not, Regardless, it's coming. It will happen exactly how God intends it to occur, according to his timetable, and not according to our attempt to put together the puzzle and guess. Although some interpretations of the future are much more exact and precise than others. All I'm saying is we don't necessarily need to know any more than the general outline. Just keep Jesus in your heart and you'll be fine. So let's commence with my general outline, if you will, which by no means is complete. The number seven, which means completion, is all over the book of Revelation. It starts with seven letters sent to seven different churches describing the current state of affairs then and actually now. The letters warn that we should absolutely never abandon Jesus. They stress the importance of remaining faithful to the Word of God. They guard it against compromising, even in the face of persecution. The letters warn the churches and and individuals to not follow false prophets. They attempted to create enthusiasm inside of these churches that are spiritually dead. Yeah, if you just talk the talk and not walk the walk... It's probably because you're spiritually dead and disconnected from God Almighty. These seven letters also address the importance of having patient endurance, despite the fact that many of us are weak and fragile, but no excuse. The letters make it clear that we should be hot in our faith and never lukewarm, because lukewarm is actually more damaging for everybody than being outright cold. Like a lukewarm cup of coffee. It's gross. You got to spit it out. 
like when dental hygienists give you that little cup and tell you to rinse and spit. I remember this very friendly hygienist being very nice to me. But when I rinsed and spit, I did it too hard and some splashed up on her bright white smock dress. Oh, it was like I hit her with a two by four. Or like I body slammed her like Hulk Hogan used to do. So she was grumpy for the rest of the time. How dare she? Next time, I'm not going to use the bowl at all. And just let loose directly on her. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I missed the ball. <laughs> Got to give her a reason, uh, a real reason to be grumpy, right? And speaking of bowls, Revelation talks about the seven bowls following the seven seals and seven trumpets, which all bring on disastrous plagues of sorts. The seven seals in the physical realm would be the scroll secured by seven wax seals that dry. A lot of times before, before um, they melt it, uh, the wax, the, 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 before it became, no, bleh, 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 bleh. a lot of times before the melted wax hardened, as I was trying to say, the king would embed his ring into it to create, to create an official seal. And this scroll that was to be opened had seven on it for security. Now, as for the seven trumpets go, they sound off to bring on a big event. Sort of like when a referee blows his whistle to start the football game. That whistle means the game is on and it's happening now. The bowls are full of wrath, like bowls of porridge, if you will. Pouring God's wrath onto the sinful, wicked people of the day. Now, as we go further in Revelation, it talks about half of the population being killed. And then further down the line, another third being killed, along with a third of the trees and life in the sea, and a third of the earth being burnt. Very disastrous, for sure. Now, who, who's going to be doing all this destruction, I wonder? Well, I think back in the time of Pharaoh and Egypt, when they were hit with the plagues from God through Moses— now, even though the Pharaoh was evil and disobedient to God, he was still part of God's plan to bring on God's punishment. So even though Pharaoh would never consciously obey God and never willingly be part of his plan, in the end, he was. God used his evil motives and desires to fulfill his plan and to put on display God's full power and influence. In that same way, the present one world order powers that be are living and behaving to satisfy their own evil desires, just like Pharaoh did. But in all of God's wisdom and sovereignty, he's going to use them just as he used Pharaoh. So all this destruction and evil to come will be performed by Satan's human henchmen. Because nowadays they talk about getting rid of the trees, carbon dioxide, and darkening the sun, and decreasing animals on the farm like cows and chickens. This is all predicted in Revelation when you get to the trumpets. Elements of life needed for survival will be destroyed. And these lunatic psychopaths of the one world order will be doing it. They admit to it. 
And remember, some of the plagues that come with the seals, trumpets, and bowls are identical to the plagues of Egypt, although the Hebrews were totally unaffected by it. It was just the Egyptians who paid the price. That's why I think the rapture may very well come after the tribulation of plagues, because as the Hebrews survived and lived through it, we will do the same, because God will be protecting most of us, although unfortunately some will be killed and beheaded. I guess if you're going to die, the best three ways would be to die in your sleep, to be quickly, unknowingly shot in the back of the head by the mafia, or by the expedient guillotine. I like the word guillotine. It's very smooth and rolls off your tongue. Guillotine. Guillotine. Is that French? Unfortunately, knowing what it actually does takes some of the cachet away. But it is quick and clean. Spies, instead of suicide pills, should have carried a guillotine in their back pocket. Just in case. I don't want to brag, but yes, I am God of this world. I call the shots to give everybody instant satisfaction and pleasure. Never mind how temporary it may be. I would like to give out an award today, an Oscar, if you will, a Beelzebub for best liar with a straight face, destroying others while building up yourself, having delusions of godhood, destroying the United States and for pretending to lead with a clear, defective brain. The nominees are Dr. Grouchy, Bill Hates, Klaus Slob, George Moros, and Joe Hyden. And the winner is... There must be some mistake. It says all of the above. This decision cannot stand. If nobody wants this Beowls Above award, then I'll accept it. Since I motivate all wicked evildoers to do what they do, I'd like to thank the Academy, my demons and fallen angels, I'd like to thank my... Revelation also talks about two witnesses coming to Earth to evangelize for a time before they get killed and then come back to life. Now, this is a perfect example of how people will endlessly debate on meaningless things. What does it matter just who these two are? We really don't need to know right now, do we? Although, to me, it sounds like Moses and Elijah. But let's not waste too much time debating and arguing over it. Whatever will be, will be. Some people who demand that they're right in every explanation that they give concerning the Bible. They, they speak out of rivalry. Those people that 
feel that they got it down pat 100%, and nobody can tell them anything differently because they're right and everybody's wrong. And that's speaking out of rivalry. Uh, They want to be proven now and in the end that they were right all along, that they were the smartest guy in the room while everyone else was wrong. That's acting out of rivalry. And the Bible definitely warns us against doing that. Leave your pride, ego, and vanity on the shelf. Nobody wants to hear it. And then you got the chapter in Revelation describing the woman and the dragon, which most people think represent a pregnant Mary and Satan. Although there exists other creative explanations in addition to that one. I read that this event was depicted up in space with the stars and planets illustrating up in the sky several years ago what this chapter was saying. Although a little hard to believe, it did make sense. And then comes the main antagonist, being the Antichrist, appearing on the stage as some kind of charismatic world leader dictator who will devise some type of peace treaty for seven years for all the nations of the world. But unfortunately... After three and a half years, this Antichrist will turn on everybody and declare himself God, which from that point on, all hell breaks loose. Now, he's followed and supported by the second beast or false prophet, accompanied by his mark of the beast, allowing people to buy and sell materials and goods. The main thing when this actually does happen is for us to remember never to worship the beast the image of the beast, or accept the mark of the beast. That's what the Bible clearly says. And as we know, there have been many antichrists and false prophets throughout history. It's just that these two are the worst at the end of times, bringing on the worst tribulation this earth has ever seen. A lot of people thought Obama was and is the antichrist. Now, I don't know all about that, but I know that he's anti-human, there's, just, there's definitely something wrong with that guy. He looks very strange to me and smiles all the time. Who smiles all the time? Besides that Joel Osteen guy? Man, if that's not a red flag, I don't know what is. I heard Obama's wife might end up being president somehow. Is she a guy? Why doesn't she just appear on The View and just strip down? Let's, let's get to the bottom of this thing. Just like her husband did when questioned on his true birthplace, he whipped out a fraudulent birth certificate. Why can't this Michelle or Michael do the same thing if she's got one? Next comes the three angels with their important messages for all of us to hear. They're quoted in the Bible as declaring, Honor God and give Him glory. For his time has come to sit in judgment. Worship the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of the sea and the springs. The second message is, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the poison wine of her lewdness. The third angel says, If anyone worships the beast or its image or accepts its mark on his forehead or hand, He, too, will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. He will be tormented in burning sulfur before the holy angels and before the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment shall rise forever and ever. There shall be no relief day or night 
for those who worship the beast or its image or accept the mark of its name. Now, let's remember through the seals and trumpets, people can become saved and go Jesus's way. They can still do that. But once the seven bowls hit, it's over. No more opportunity to become saved. At that point, people will see all kinds of crazy things happening. And instead of having a healthy fright to it all, getting on their knees, asking for God's forgiveness, instead of changing and repenting, they will get that much more arrogant, self-righteous, and bitter. Throughout the tribulation, these people will hate God even more. In their arrogance, they will refuse to turn his way under any circumstances. Yeah, that's not a good thing. And then you got the armies and wars happening, commencing with the Battle of Armageddon. And whether this is all a physical fight or a spiritual one, Jesus will absolutely come to the rescue and save his beloved children. At that point, he will also destroy the hateful people that want nothing to do with him and then create the new heavens and the new earth. After Armageddon, Babylon the Great is dealt with, followed quickly by the fall of this Babylon, which a lot of people think is the United States. It's at this time that the Antichrist and false prophet are destroyed. The book says, both were hurled down alive into the fiery pool of burning sulfur. Then the thousand-year reign begins that I talked about earlier, where those who refused the mark of the beast and were actually beheaded for their conviction, come back to life in the first resurrection, as they call it. They will be the ones honored to reign with God for a thousand years, as Satan and all his angels were thrown in the abyss for that same amount of time. Then in the book of Revelation, we got Gog and Magog. Yeah. Enter, please, stage right. Or is it stage left? I'm not sure. But evil armies ready to attack only to be devoured by fire from heaven is what Gog and Magog will be. This is followed by, as the book says, the devil who led them astray was hurled into the pool of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had also been thrown. There they will be tortured day and night forever and ever. Now, the devil is a fallen angel a spiritual being with some kind of consciousness and free will. Can you imagine how upset and worried he is knowing that, knowing what his destiny holds? Just like when I acted up when I was a young kid at my relative's house and my dad just turned to me and said, when we get home, you're going to get it. Oh, did that scare me to the point my bones rattled. Now I had to wait another two hours till we left the party plus the 20 minutes drive home until I was going to get my punishment. Man, the waiting was the worst. Maybe actually worse than the wax on the butt with the strap. Too close to call. The end of Revelation talks about the great white throne judgment, where if your name is not found in the book of life, you get thrown into the lake of fire, the second death. The believers in Jesus Christ get to enjoy for eternity the new heavens and the new earth with our new glorified bodies. There's also a new Jerusalem or holy city 
that comes down from the heavens onto earth, which includes walls and gates of precious stones, along with the river of life, uh, the, the, riv- the river of life-giving water. And this new Jerusalem, our holy city, is gigantic, uh, like thousands of miles, square miles, in which we will dwell to some point in the afterlife. Yeah, it's just, it's just a big, huge cube. Look it up. So as I said, this is a brief review of what Revelation entails. Only some of the things. And yes, at times, it can be confusing as we attempt to determine if all the things listed in Revelation was in, chronologi- was in chronological order. Because some may very well not be. Also, sometimes there's some confusion as to two descriptions of the same event. Like in Genesis, there is two descriptions of creation. And the Bible does that sometimes, where it goes over the same event two or three times with further information and insight. That was just part of the writing style of the day, apparently. So whatever you glean from Revelation, understand that our knowledge is imperfect. We, with our limited brain power, can understand only so much the Bible says if, someone is, if something is too sublime for you, too spectacular and fantastic for us to comprehend, then just accept it as such and let it go. You don't need to know 100% on what has happened, what is happening, and what will happen. That's where faith comes in, right? The faith in one God of the Bible. And incidentally, that is not Allah of Islam or Yahweh of Judaism and not the thousands and millions of gods of Hinduism and Buddhism. As a Christian, we believe in God the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son, who died and resurrected into heaven and the Holy Spirit. If one is left out, then you got a problem. If all are talked about and defined in other ways than what the Bible explains, you got a problem. For instance, Islam recognizes Jesus, but only as a prophet and not the son of God who died and resurrected. And since they believe that, they don't believe in the Jesus that Christians believe in. They're just two separate people. Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet, much like Muhammad, who they consider the last prophet, who Allah dictated the Quran to. Did you know that uh, there exists like 1.8 billion people who believe in Islam and 2.3 billion people who believe in Christianity? That's like half the population of the world right there. Interesting. I wonder what percent of the population believe in the word of God only and have a personal relationship with Jesus with or without a church. How many people actually do that? I know, uh, at least I hope, that there's plenty of good churches out there. But there's also plenty of bad ones. Man, you have a wedding or funeral? These churches charge you for every little thing. Oh, oh, I'm truly very sorry for your loss, but I need to inform you that the kneeler in front of the coffin is going to cost you $300. And I'm like, excuse me? You're trying to hard sell me in between my tears? (laughs) 
I'm surprised they don't charge you for standing, sitting, and breathing. That's probably next. Man, I, I know the church got to pay their bills, but let's not nickel and dime me to death here. We'll have two funerals. Some of these guys, they're, they're worse than the IRS forcing you to bring your lawyer to negotiate settlements. To all those who would take God away, up your giggy! Who would take our freedom away, up your giggy! And to all those who would take our guns away, up your giggy! We here at Don't Bring Up God on WAEB believe in positive change, but not changing from good to bad or godly to evil. No, that's unacceptable, and we will fight back on it. Show to all those who would attempt to brainwash us and to silence us and to establish socialism, we all see Another big difference between Christianity and Islam is the way you get to heaven and paradise. Christians believe you get there through faith by grace, which should lead to good deeds. Muslims believe that you will get to paradise if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds on earth. So it's like a performance contest that you have to prove yourself in order for you to earn your position in paradise. Christians believe we don't earn it. We're given salvation as a gift. So there's a lot of huge differences between the major faiths. And know for sure that it's impossible to combine the religions into one. Can never happen. I was listening to four reasons why Jews reject Jesus. And this was very interesting. Oh, there's a whole big story about this. I mean, it, it goes on and on and on. A lot of material there. The, the first is the contention that the Old Testament talks about a savior who is a warrior or king rescuing the Israelites at the hands of their oppressors, which happened to be the Romans at the time. For them, having Jesus come as a kind, humble, love-peacing, love-peacemaking servant of God just didn't cut the mustard. They wanted a triumphant Messiah to set up a new kingdom. Well, what the Jewish people failed to understand is that Jesus will accomplish all that the second time he comes back. He basically came the first time to save, the second time to judge and to set up that kingdom. The Jews also considered Jesus a blasphemer because he forgave sins and claim to be God. Well, the Bible is clear that Jesus is able to forgive sins because he is God. It sounds like the Jews believe only what they want to hear sometimes, not the true, complete message of the entire Bible. The third reason the Jewish people reject Jesus is that, and not all Jewish people believe uh, reject them, by the way. The Messianic Jews believe in Jesus as the Savior, and there's many factions within the Jewish faith. So let's not think everybody. Let's not brush with a broad, let's not stroke with a broad brush. That's how it works, isn't it? Yeah. Let's see. But another reason is that Jesus always put the Word of God and the Bible, Bible over all man-made traditions. And the Jewish people definitely didn't like that. 
because their Talmud full of tradition was and is for many more important than the Bible. So again, it, it sounds like they didn't want to give up the power and control that they themselves created among other men. The fourth reason the Jewish people rejected Jesus is because they had hardened hearts. And a perfect example of this is when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Instead of being amazed by this miracle, they came to the conclusion that they needed to kill Jesus. You would think, after seeing a miracle like that in clear view, that you would come to say, okay, you're the man. But they didn't do that. They didn't because their hearts were so hard and hardened over and they couldn't see in front of their nose to the point that they were just talking stupid at the time, accusing Jesus of being possessed by Satan to do these miracles for the good. Now, how ridiculous is that? It sounds like the Jewish people of the day were panicking, knowing Jesus is the real deal. And I'm talking about the Jewish leaders primarily, once again. Uh, you know, they thought because he's the real deal that he needs to be eliminated. Otherwise, they would only be hurting themselves by losing their own power and influence. And that's a, st that's a sad state of affairs. That ain't right. It's just, like a, it's just like an engineer working at one of the big tire manufacturers coming up with the feasible idea of making tires that never get flat. Something that really works, but would take out a whole industry because the manufacturer thinks that, hey, less money for me. So the only solution would be to eliminate the idea, if not the engineer himself, if you were part of that manufacturing team, right? Send this engineer with the bright idea on vacation and make sure he never comes back. I mean, uh, you know, they don't want any kind of ingenious young inventor coming up with something that helps the public and financially hurts themselves. But hey, who don't like flat tires? Doesn't that just add a sparkle to your day? It's the worst. There could be one wayward quarter-inch nail lying on the side of the road somewhere in the Lehigh Valley. And believe me, I'll be running over it, creating a nice, slow leak. That's going to cost me 45 hours to patch. I guess that's better than paying over 100 hours for a new tire. Can you believe that? Over 100 bucks. I can see if the wheel belonged on the space shuttle, but a regular two-bit car tire. Outrageous. Soon the four tires are going to cost more than the car itself. And, and tires for your truck? Forget about it. Who said that in the movies? Uh, the mobster, uh, that Al Pacino guy. Forget about it. One last thing about this Israel thing. That who knows if it's going to end anytime soon. It doesn't look like it is. The invasions, give or take, whatever. But talking about the Jewish people and Israel and people inferring that, oh, Armageddon's coming. Maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, there's a lot of different perspectives you can take. And let me remind everybody, 
that I have a friend who's married to a Jewish woman. She's very lovely, nicest woman on the planet. I have nothing against anybody. Got to preface everything I say like that. Getting a little tired of doing that. Shouldn't have to. But anyway, uh, just a thought. Uh, The Jewish people and other religions, according to the Bible, they, uh, they don't believe in Jesus as the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah who came to help save and rescue us, died on the cross and resurrected. Uh, outside the Christian faith, no one really believes that. Now, do they? Now, what does the Bible say about that? What does the Bible talk about? What do they say about when talking about uh, the Antichrist? What is an Antichrist? Anti means against, right? Antichrist against Christ, against Jesus, denying him, and so forth. That's an Antichrist. So when I look at the others, these other faiths, you know, they can be construed as Antichrists. I'm just saying what the Bible's saying. So just keep that in mind before you bow down to Israel uh, without question, all right? And it's just a shame that the innocent are getting butchered once again. Nobody cares about the innocent people. And I always pray for the innocent. And I think we all should, right? Remember, prayer is our strongest weapon. But always pray for the innocent. Those innocent people, especially young children and kids that are being raped and butchered and killed and tortured and God knows what, sex trade, all that stuff, that's going on even though we don't see it. It's going on. And, and you know that's, ev- that's the plan of evil. That's evil 101. It's like you want to do dastardly deeds and you want to be able to get away with it. And the best way to get away with anything like that is to be invisible. That no one knows your name. No one even knows you're alive. You, you, people talk about the one world order and the globalists and the elite. Yeah, they're all fancy names, but I would prefer real names, first names and last names. I don't want this generic stuff. You talk about the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. I mean, there are families behind them that we don't even know about that call the shots in this world. I still laugh at people getting all crazy about elections and politicians and so forth. Do you actually think Biden made one decision on his own since he's been in that White House? Seriously. Other than choosing between chocolate ice cream and vanilla. And I'm not just saying he's like that. In my view, all the presidents, for the most part, were like that. They never made a decision in their life. Who writes their speeches? Where does that come from? Where's the head of the snake? That's what I want to know. But we'll never find out. Head of the snake, I guess that brings us back to Genesis. As, as the Bible says, our battle is not against human forces. It is against the principalities and powers. The, I always, I always forget this one. The, um, oh man, I don't know why. But the last one is against evil spirits and regions above. The second one is uh, we're, uh, our fight is against the rulers of this earth of darkness. Yeah, those are the three saying it's non-human. So the head of the snake, I guess it will suffice to know that that is Satan himself. That's the devil. This Lucifer guy who was king at a court top angel in the group, wanted God's job, thought he could do it himself, didn't want to listen, was arrogant, 
the whole thing. It's kind of like what how we are in our life, right? Hopefully we change that one day. But the head of the snake behind all this sickness, it's Satan. And we need to know that. And as I said, even though we don't see it, it's absolutely going on. So pray for those. Pray for the innocent victims. Pray that God pulls them out of the fire because sometimes that's what it's going to take. Because humans are in the position to help these poor people and these poor children and babies. All right? So pray every day that, Lord, please pull them out of the fire. Rescue these, these innocent, innocent people. And, and, you know, some people say, oh, well, innocent Christian people, you mean. No, I mean all people. All innocent people and children and babies. The, nobody deserves that torture and that killing and, and the chopping off of limbs. I mean, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to go too far with it. But the things I hear and the things you hear from time to time, I'm sure, it's just, it just boggles your mind. It can't be happening, right? But it does. As I said before, every now and then, a insider, whistleblower comes out, uh, a lot of times on their deathbed, and they speak the truth and say, hey, this is what really happened. I don't care because I'm dying anyway. And if I say this, they're going to kill me. But people have spoken up. You got to have courage. You got to have... I forgot what that's... There's something that just went into my head. You got to have... I don't know. But there's a song like that. Is that Bette Midler? Or whatever. But the courage thing. Are we trained to be courageous and to be independent and to have critical thinking anymore, especially our kids? Hey, the schools ain't teaching it, so you parents need to. And grandparents, get in there. You can teach them. There's nothing wrong with being different. In our society, we need to be different. We can't be one of the crowd following blindly. And that's the other thing. There are so many other things, aren't there? But even in this coronavirus, all the facts and figures are coming out that it was uh, actually a scam and the viruses and the ventilators. The whole thing was so bogus. Information piling out after the fact, of course. But... The common man still has the power. If, if we had courageous people that didn't listen and, and to the brainwashing, they couldn't have injected us by the billions like they did. And even people in Germany in World War II and, 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 and the doctors in hospitals through the coronavirus that were absolutely complicit, it comes down to the common man carrying out evil. They present it as you're doing good. But again, you got to be courageous and see through the weeds. I got to be out of here. All roads lead back to God. Tyler, we love you. We'll see you again. Say goodbye. Open up. Let me in.